0: In your current position, have you worked so hard for so long that you feel like you're going to crash and burn? This week's guest, William D. Parker, shares how his first year as an assistant principal almost became his last. William provides strategies he used to take a step back, reevaluate, and focus on other unique areas in his life. Also in this episode, William shares about building trusting relationships for vulnerable moments, gathering constructive leadership feedback, balancing important areas in our life, and the Principal Matters Podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the leadership development podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. William, thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Joshua Stamper, it is such a an honor to sit in this room with you. And as you were saying right before we started recording, that when Jimmy Casas calls and says, you two guys need to meet, then it's going to happen. And so I'm so thankful. Jimmy, if you're out there listening, thank you for introducing me to Joshua. But Joshua, it's a pleasure to be on your show.
0: Oh, the honor is all mine. And um, you're so right that when Jimmy calls and says, hey, You need to connect with this person that says a lot about you and who you are as a leader too that jimmy would say such wonderful things and before we begin talking about all of the amazing projects that you have going i would love to hear about your leadership journey
1: yeah well you know my leadership journey in education began a long time ago in 1993 when i was a high school teacher and and then 11 years into that journey made the transition into school administration Mm -hmm. Um, as an assistant principal, you know, if you talk about the origins of of leadership, I think they go far back beyond that. I I had a dad who was a a great role model, Northwest Tennessee family, very rural community. But dad was uh, in the military and then uh, ran his own business uh, there in that area until he retired. And when I came to Oklahoma to go to college, I had the the opportunity to earn a scholarship as a resident advisor, where they actually taught us leadership, which was something unique for me, but it was exciting. And when I stepped into teaching, I loved not only the the pedagogy part of education, but also just the the development, being able to, um, at that time, we didn't call it social emotional learning, but the SEL part of what we call it now, um, developing in in students that the character side of learning too. And so when I stepped into school leadership in, in the early 2000s, I was excited about the opportunity. But Joshua, I'm sure just like you, I was also quickly overwhelmed yes. with with the responsibilities that that come with leadership. And so um I know we're going to talk in just a little bit about my new book, but that leadership journey um led me almost to resigning and leaving the profession. And I'll be happy to tell the story in just a minute. But mm-hmm. but over the years as I've um as I've learned that leadership is really not about me, but about serving other people. Uh, I've begun to to hopefully um, adapt and learn tools and and relationship strategies that help me to to serve, which is what leadership is all about.
0: yeah, you mentioned it. You have a new book, Pause, breathe, flourish, and and we'll definitely dive into that because it's such a wonderful resource for our leaders and our aspiring leaders. But I want to talk about kind of that balance piece, right? because, Your story sounds very familiar because, you know, when I jumped into leadership, I thought I was going to just take over the world and help the campus in all these different ways. And and I quickly found out that what I thought was not really my reality and my impact was very, very different. So for those who are jumping into a new position in leadership, you know, what are some things that can help them with, with balance?
1: I always try to tell people two things, Joshua, that sounds so contradictory. So if listeners, if you can just be patient, I'll unpack both of these. The first thing I try to tell people is that you are not as important as you think, which means that the school existed before you were there and it will exist after you're gone. And so sometimes I think we have this inflated idea of, of our own presence and importance when we step into leadership that's really not realistic. And then on the flip side, I like to remind people that you're more important than you think you are. And and by saying that, I'm not saying that you're that you should nurse your ego, but what I'm saying is that the small things that you do every single day to build trust, to show integrity, to build meaningful relationships, those small things really matter. And so who you are as a person. Every single day will help set the foundation for the kind of leadership that you're going to develop in your work. So I know that sounds like a, a contradiction that you're not as important as you think you are, but you're more important than you think you are. But I think it's important to keep those two ideas in balance to to walk into leadership with humility, um, but then make sure that you're focusing on what matters most.
0: So after my first year, I almost gave up being an administrator because I was. I felt like I was failing more than I was being successful. I know you had some struggles kind of in your origin story also. So if you wouldn't Mm -hmm. mind sharing that with our listeners, what were some of those struggles?
1: Yeah, well, Josh, we were talking before about being fathers. You know, you're the father of five and I'm the father of four. And when I stepped into school administration, my children were really small then. And I can still remember that first year, especially being an assistant principal, just The overwhelming schedule, especially at the high school level when you're doing evening activities and you're you're primarily in charge of discipline as the assistant principal, at least at the setting I was in. And so I was learning all of those things, plus evaluating and observing teachers and managing parent conversations. And the first year, frankly, my wife was really patient with my new position because she knew I had a lot to learn. And every new position, it requires you to just give a lot that first year to be able to understand the work itself. But in the middle of year two, I remember coming home one night, maintaining that same cycle of getting up super early in the morning, jumping on emails, getting my day ready, leaving out the door, heading into school, eating on the run, barely doing anything but just working all day long, and then staying late for activities, and then getting home right before the kids would go to sleep and trying to read them bedtime stories. And my kids still tease me that they would literally like hit me in the chest to keep me awake just so that I could get through one story, put them, you know, finish bedtimes, pull up on my laptop and then start working again until I could barely stay awake. And this was my normal routine. And one night when I came home to do that routine, my wife sat down beside me after we had put the kids to bed and she just had a very frank conversation with me. And she told me, you know, Will, I feel like you have become a shell of the man that you used to be. And the kids and I have decided that you are a father and a husband on the weekends only. Mm-hmm. And, and she said it with just simple resignation. It wasn't like bitterness or trying to make me feel guilty. Just This, this is just the way it is, Will. And I just want, I want you to know. Yeah. And so that night when she went to bed, I sat down and I wrote instead of working, I opened up my laptop and I wrote a letter of resignation. And I just explained in that letter that this was the crossroads that I had come to in realizing how I had been unable to find a balance in both leadership and caring for myself and my family. And I took that letter of resignation to my office the next day and I placed it in a folder and I put it on the corner of my desk. And I told myself, I'm either going to try to begin new habits with this work or at the end of the school year, I'm changing professions. And every day when I was working and I would look over and see that folder, I was reminding myself of some things that I needed to do again, Mm -hmm. like eat a healthy lunch or find someone to have a conversation with, not just work all, you know, throughout every moment of the day, or leave early when I could so that I could actually reconnect with my kids or get up in the morning and instead of working, go for a jog Mm -hmm. around the neighborhood so that my physical health was, was growing to not just just not just my work life, but all of those other areas of life—the spiritual, the the uh, the physical, the relational—and Joshua, that wasn't like oh, it wasn't a silver bullet, it wasn't a, a quick fix. But over time, as I began to reinvest in those areas of my life, what I discovered is—and you know this too—I actually began to, I think, get better at my work. Yeah. And so, so, instead of so which is crazy because when you, you think if you work harder, you'll get better. But instead what I found was when I invested in those areas of growth in my own self-care, then I was becoming more creative and a better problem solver and was enjoying my work again. And so that's the, that's the origin um, story of, of when I almost left. And then seven, years after 2012. And I'm only telling this as a, as a way to celebrate the progress, but I, I, I was named the Oklahoma assistant principal of the year in 2012. Awesome. And when I was standing in Washington, DC with my family receiving that award, I remember that night when I was talking to my wife mm-hmm. and just like the, the moment of celebration for us as a family, when that could have ended a lot differently.
0: Oh yeah. Let's pretend your wife didn't have that conversation. There's no way you're standing on that stage, getting that award.
1: No, uh, or I might have been standing there alone. Right? No, it's, true. <laughs> it's very true. true. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that is a is a way to say that you know do these things and you will love your job or you'll uh, become an assistant principal of the year. I know life sometimes throws things at us that are beyond our control, but I am committed to those areas of my life that help me be better in my work. And Joshua, I, I see the same thing in you. I mean, you're a father and a an administrator, and yet here we are connecting in the evening um, because you take time for a passion area of your life, because it's going to reinvigorate you for the work that you're going to do tomorrow. When you step into school,
0: the burnout that occurred or almost occurred was saved due to my podcast, but just like you said, it sounds like you're producing more work, but actually it's, it's filling my cup. It makes (laughs) me a better administrator every single day because of the conversations and the connections I make with people like yourself.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that's my story too. When I started blogging and podcasting, I was trying to find a way to exercise some of those other areas of my life that I'd given up to, cause I love to write mm-hmm. and communicate. And so when I had become a principal, that was, that was an area that I didn't feel like I had an opportunity to exercise a lot. And so blogging kind of became that outlet for me. And then podcasting, same thing. I just found so much joy in learning. And that became a way for me to, to marry both my work and something that was um, enjoyable
0: so we'll talk about the blogging piece too in your podcast but i also want to talk about your book because it's fantastic and um, i know you know jimmy casas jeff Zool helped you with this project pause breathe flourish just real quick for our listeners (laughs) if they haven't had a chance to read your book yet can you just give a quick synopsis
1: yeah i know this is an analogy that's probably overused now but the concept for this book came in a couple of ways one of them came from, uh, I'm a frequent flyer now that I I have the opportunity to speak and, and consult leaders in other places. And when you're sitting on the airplane, although I haven't been traveling during COVID, sure. um, but when I was writing this book, I would when I would hear the airline attendant give the speech about when, if the cabin loses pressure and an oxygen mask drop down, make sure that you place it on yourself first before the person beside you. And I would hear that over and over again. And, and I would be thinking, how few leaders do I know that actually practice that? Mm. We are committed to service, you know, we're committed to to helping others. But so often I see people who are constantly putting the oxygen masks on everyone else while they're failing to breathe themselves. And eventually they're just gonna pass out or burn out. And so um, so when I had the idea for pause, breathe, and flourish, I wanted to think about what are ways that we can that we can stop as leaders and reflect on those areas of our lives where we may need to be reinvesting. And so Joshua, I broke that into, in this book into 10 chapters and because, and I just tried to think of the things that I would want to tell leaders if I was able to just sit down just like we are or have coffee with someone and just talk about, okay, these are some things to be thinking about and revisiting. So the book itself is broken into chapters on, on your, your body, your nutrition, your mind, your influence, your time, your friendships, your spirituality, your your resources, your intimacy, your future, your legacy. I have an epilogue on laughter, but just those areas of our lives that when we take time to invest, reflect, then I think we, we become better people for the work that we're trying to do in helping others.
0: Within your book, I think those are interesting words that you honed in on? Because those aren't your typical words, right? Friendships, what has that got to do with being a better leader? Or, I mean, there's so many words that come to mind that are not your typical things that you hear about or read about. So what were so important about those words or those components in your own life to help other leaders?
1: Yeah, well, we could walk through each one of those. Let me just take that word friendships for just a minute and we'll, we'll go there. There are so many times in our lives, Joshua, where we face things that are bigger than we are, and I think in school leadership, we face those things with the people on our teams. But there are things that happen outside of school leadership, too, that are bigger than we are. And so often, it's the relationships that you have, it's often in school, but a lot of times outside of school, that are going to provide you with support and strength that you wouldn't have otherwise. Yep. In the chapter on friendship, I, I I actually cite some research that shows that psychologists have studied individuals. Who are looking at an incline? They're looking at a hill, and if if you can study the the amount of um, stress that that person is experiencing while looking at that obstacle, and but place them in the presence of a friend or even make them think of a friend, their anxiety level immediately goes down. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes we we forget the simple things like that. Like even in our friendships, the the importance of investing in those relationships that will hopefully be with us long after we've left our schools. Um, and hopefully can sustain us when we hit those times in our lives that are, that are long beyond our controls. I'll give you a really poignant example that's not in the book, but um, about ten years ago, my oldest brother died unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Our whole family had come together for a reunion. He was out with one of my other brothers at the lake in a boat, and he collapsed. He had a heart attack. He was only forty-six years old, wow. and it was the most devastating thing that had ever happened in my life personally. And I can still remember. The, you know the grief, the family memorial coming back to school after all of that was over. and I was sitting in the office with a friend um, who had come to the school to check on me. and uh, he was actually a student resource officer that I had worked with, and he had just come in my office and and he just wanted to hear the story. And I'll never forget that moment, Joshua, because here's this this strong officer sitting across my desk and he just starts crying. And I, I've never forgotten that moment because of all of the moments of grief that I had had in the loss of my brother. It was sitting in the presence of a friend that I I found something that was so much more meaningful than I would have found um, in any other context. And so I just tell you that as an example to be vulnerable, that, yeah. there, you know, those are the kinds of relationships that, and those are the kinds of moments that, that only people who care deeply about you can provide. And that only happens when you're taking time to invest in each other's lives so that you have that kind of trust.
0: I guess that's the goal as a leader is to have relationships with your with the people that you work with that you can be vulnerable with and to trust in and, and to have these moments that when you need to be picked up, you're there for them. Yeah, for sure this podcast is a proud member of the teach better podcast network better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there you can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts now let's get back to the episode let me talk about another project of yours because it is something that i think is as rich as your book it's just a different form of media which is your podcast and as a podcaster myself it gives me great joy to hear other podcasters share about their podcast origin. So, how did you come across podcasting, and and what drove you to do that? Because I know you've been doing it for three years now.
1: Well, th- thank you, Joshua. You know, I don't know if I've ever been asked that question while podcasting. So let me um, <laughs> let me just and let me just say to listeners that um, you and I decided ahead of time to co-record this. Yes. So. If, uh, if folks are listening to this on my side, on the Principle of Matters, you're going to get to hear me talk about something that I, maybe I haven't unpacked um, before. And Joshua, for your listeners, you, you can find all my content at my website at williamdparker.com. So I started uh, podcasting several years ago when I had first been blogging. And for me, the whole passion of podcasting came just because I was listening to podcasts. As I was creating a blog and sharing content out with leaders, one of the questions that I had was like, how do I share this content out farther than just my family and friends? Like, how do I get this content out in ways that that other people out there who do the kind of work that I do might enjoy this? And so this may be more than you ask for, Joshua, but I was actually thinking at that time, I had about a 30 minute commute to get to to the school that I worked at. And so it was a great time to, to listen to content. And so I was um, listening to some leadership podcasts. Michael Hyatt had a leadership podcast at the time. Uh, he still does. Mm-hmm. And then um, Dave Ramsey had started one at the time too. And his was called, I think, like Entree Leadership or something like that. And so I was listening to these, these people on these podcasts and they were so enjoyable. One of the guests that was on uh, one of those podcasts, and I can't remember now if it was Ramsey's or, or Michael Hyatt's, was a guy named John Lee Dumas. And John Lee Dumas had a podcast called Entrepreneur on Fire. Yep. And he was just talking about interviews that he was doing every single day with business owners who had started businesses, a lot of them online, and the lessons they were learning in uh, developing their own content and their own businesses. And so I went over to iTunes and found his podcast. And so I actually sent him an email and asked him at that time, I wasn't podcasting, I was just doing a blog. And so I was sharing written interviews with people. So I asked him, could I interview you for my blog? And and I sent him a list of questions and he sent me back the content and and at that time, he had like two hundred thousand downloads of his podcast, and he was all excited. And and if you know anything about John Lee Dumas, he's had millions of downloads now. He's yeah. one of the most he's one of the most famous podcasters out there. So, I began listening to his show, and it became a, kind of a passion side project for me to like listen to people talk about how they actually took their these ideas and turned them into a business model. And so uh, that led me to another podcast uh, by a guy named Pat Flynn, who's oh, yeah. got a podcast called. Um, Smart Passive Income. And it was through Pat Flynn that I discovered a YouTube tutorial that he had put together on, uh, it's like a six piece tutorial on how to podcast. I was listening now for several months to all these different podcasters and really enjoying it. And so I think it was over a Christmas break, I just decided I'm going to learn to podcast. And so I just took the time and I listened to, or watched every one of the YouTube videos and I took notes and I would pause and I would, I had, you know, my Google doc going of all the different things I needed to do. And I just step-by-step step began to figure out how to create the plugins that I needed on my website, how to record audio correctly, how to upload it to Libsyn, how to take that and pu- place it into my WordPress, how to publish that, and then how to track those and 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 create all those feeds. and And I've told friends of mine, if if you held a gun to my head and said, show me how to podcast, Will, I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, I would die, but I could, but I could point you to Pat Flynn's six piece tutorial on how to podcast. And, uh, and, and I just follow the formula, you know, in terms of like how to do those things. So I, I always tell people, I'm not naturally a techie person, but I'm willing to just take really big things and break them down into small bites until I can figure something out. And it really has been such a joy. I'm at, uh, 219 or 20 episodes now and uh, just having so much fun um, creating it and getting to meet people like you. I mean, meeting so many friends that I wouldn't have met otherwise.
0: Yeah. It's been quite the, quite the journey for myself too. And um, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, so give me, give me your quick origin.
0: Oh, my quick origin. Oh goodness. And I'm supposed to be interviewing you. So this is weird to be interviewed by you. Also in my last district, I was a part of a aspiring leadership program and we did it for two years. It was a pilot program. And so it, we did so well that the district actually took it over. <laughs> so I was longing to still work with aspiring leaders, but I didn't really have an outlet for that. And so um, I went and visited Todd Sloney at his elementary school in Nova Soda, Texas. And when mm-hmm. I got there, it was in the afternoon after school, and he was recording Kids Deserve It with Adam Welcome. And I just sat down and watched him during that process and it was I was fascinated by it because of course I listened to podcasts, but I'd never actually seen one in, in process. And so when he was done, I just like launched a thousand questions at him about what, what, what were you doing? How do you post it? You know, all that kind of stuff. And after having that conversation, I just said, I wonder if I should do that for aspiring leaders. And he's like, you totally should. And then it took me like five months of really unpacking it. What is my vision? What does it even look like? I don't even know where to start and getting mm-hmm. the courage to actually push that record button. And once I did the first episode, I did it with Todd because <laughs> I was like, you got to be my first guest. you're yeah. the, the whole reason behind this. I've never looked back and yeah, two and a half years later.
1: Oh, what a great story. And, and what I love about that too, Joshua is, and I'm saying this for listeners too, is that there's so many times that we see something we want to do, but then executing it, is sometimes it's often what's keeping us from reaching that goal, and um, I, you know that's the same story when I started writing books. This is my third book, and when I decided to do my first one, you know that it's an overwhelming journey to yes. to accomplish a goal like that. But once you've done it, you can look back at the steps that you've learned from it, and then reapply it to another project or reapply it to to the next situation that you're into. So it's exciting, and um, and that's a great story. I love that.
0: So William, I want to talk to you about aspiring leadership because obviously this kind of my my niche, right? So for our aspiring leaders who are listening to you and maybe they're thinking about going into leadership, or maybe they've already made that commitment, they're in a master's program, but they don't know what the next step should be. What are some tips that you can provide to help them grow in their leadership journey?
1: Yeah, thank you for asking that question, and I'm so glad you reminded me of the focus because if you are an aspiring leader and you're thinking about like, what is that next thing that I want to do? Let me just give you a few things that I think would be helpful. And I'm sure these are things you've heard before. First of all, be excellent in the work that you're doing right now. So whatever that is, if you're teaching, if you're planning to teach, if you're already in school administration, whatever it is that you're, that it is, maybe you're a teacher's assistant listening to this, but whatever it is, be excellent in that work because your reputation in in that work is going to be what sets the stage for the work that you'll do next. Yeah. Second, I would say use every single opportunity as an uh, as a as an interview moment. And, and let me explain what I mean by that, Joshua. You never know what who is in the audience to whom you're speaking. So right now, you and I are, are possibly speaking to someone who is an aspiring leader, who three or four years from now may be leading a building or stepping into district leadership. 10 years from now, he or she may be the superintendent of a, of a large district, small district. We don't know, but we may be, we may be speaking to somebody right now whose abilities to lead are going to far surpass the things you and I are doing. Mm-hmm. And they may be affecting and influencing people in, in much larger scales than you and I are. And so look at every single situation that you're in, as I, I call them interview moments, because you know, we may be speaking to someone someday, Joshua, that wants to hire us to do work for them or with them or maybe reaching back to us for 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 help. And so when I was working on my degree to become a, a school admin and I would show up to my evening classes, I would still try to sit near the front. I would still try to work really hard in that class. I would still try to meet everybody in the room. I would still try to, if there was a guest speaker, remember that person's name and, and, and collect their contact information because not because... I'm trying to manipulate situations, but I'm trying to make the most of every situation. Yep. so so I think it's so I think that's so important. And then the other thing I would say is just listen to feedback from other people. Be open to feedback and and ask other people their own histories and their own stories, which is what I love about what you're doing, Joshua, because you're you're pulling those stories out and even in this conversation that may help someone in theirs. And so I would recommend that leaders ask other leaders for their stories, too. Mm-hmm. ask them, what was, what's the most difficult thing that you face in the position that you're in now? Mm-hmm. What's a lesson that you learned early that might help me in that too? I remember asking that question to a professor when I was working on my master's degree and he was a retired administrator. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, um, well, probably one of the biggest lessons that I learned is that I was probably as a decision maker, I was probably right about 25% of the time. And I just remember like they could, what? And he was like, you'll learn pretty quickly that you think you're a good decision maker. But as you, as you move into these positions, you're going to learn when you look back that sometimes you made the wrong decisions and sometimes you made the right ones. But if you can make sure the right ones outweigh the wrong ones, then you'll, you'll get better over time. And I remember when he said that I was terrified because I hate making wrong decisions. You know, I want to be right. But now that I'm an older leader and I look back, I realize, you know, he was so correct. You know, you just, it's okay to realize that you that you do not have to be perfect to do this work, but you don't learn those kinds of answers unless you ask the questions. So so those are the three things that I would say is uh, be excellent in the work that you're doing, make every situation an interview opportunity, and then ask others for feedback. Yeah.
0: So I wanna to touch on the excellence piece. When I was a teacher trying to become an administrator, I remember my principal bringing me into his office, I'm sorry, and I was sitting across from him and he said, Josh, what are you? I just looked at him because I was like this is obviously a trick question and I was like I don't understand what you're getting at and he said you're you're an art teacher and you're a coach are you doing those jobs to the best of your ability or are you focused on too many other things and I just sat there in silence for a while and really chewed on it because that was the feedback piece right he had a point and it was extremely strong and it was overwhelming because I was I was focusing on all the other things I was trying to do outside of the classroom to show I was a good leader. And what I was doing was I was letting the other aspects of my life in my profession fail. What a great
1: leader. Oh, yeah. Phenomenal. What a great leader to give you that direct feedback. And and sometimes the hardest people to take that feedback from are the ones who really care about you the most, mm-hmm. in, like your wife, for instance, or, <laughs> yeah. or, or your children or the or your coworkers. You know, I think it's important to have a posture of when someone's providing you feedback to listen first and then try to figure out from that. Now sometimes people provide you feedback because they simply just want to be negative. And so you kind of have to learn to how to assess that that information and decide if it's if it if it if it's true or if it's applicable. And if you're not sure, reach out to someone else who you trust and just say, "Can I reflect on this with you?" because that's happened too. Yeah. In situations and the more you the, the longer you're in leadership, the more feedback you get both positive and negative. But I think when you have a posture that's open for that kind of feedback, then you have the opportunity to keep growing. But man, that's that's a great story.
0: So William, I want everyone that's listening to be able to connect with you on social media. So how can they do that?
1: Well, the easiest way is to first just visit my website. It's a williamdparker.com. And if you want to follow the link there to subscribe to my weekly newsletter, then I'll send you a Quick little free ebook that's called Eight Hats: Essential Roles for School Leaders. It's it's excellent for aspiring leaders, especially. Yeah. And then second, you can find me um, several places on Twitter. You can find me at William DP, or Instagram at William underscore D underscore Parker, or you can find me on LinkedIn as well. But um, it's not hard to find me. But just search for William D Parker, Principal Matters, and I'll pop up somewhere.
0: Well, for everyone listening, make sure that you're connecting with William. Definitely check out his book too, Pause, Breathe, Flourish. It's phenomenal. Man, William, I could talk to you all night. It felt like sitting across the table drinking coffee. This conversation went
1: so fast. Well, Joshua, I want you to, I want to remind listeners, your listeners and mine, to go on to iTunes to your podcast, Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, and give you a five star rating today because every time someone Rates a podcast. It's going to increase the viewership. So I want people to go check out Joshua Stamper's podcast, subscribe to it, share it with friends, and make sure that they know, especially aspiring leaders, that Joshua's content is available to enrich your leadership. So thank you, Joshua, so much. And and remind me your social media contact too.
0: Yeah. So you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. And then you can find me on my website at joshstamper.com.
1: Awesome. Well, Joshua, thank you for the opportunity. It's been a privilege getting to know you. And I will tell Jimmy Costas a big thank you for introducing us.
0: He's amazing. Thank you again, boy.
1: Thank you, friend.